Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is February the 2nd. It is 2018, and it has been a very exciting and interesting week, and I thank all of you for joining me at the end of the week so we can play that inevitable game of catch-up. As you know, I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service, the former INS. And ever since 9-11, I've truly been a man on a mission trying to wake up our fellow Americans, and as many of our alleged leaders as possible as to the true significance of America's borders and America's immigration laws. For too many years, politicians and globalists have tried to convince Americans that our borders were insignificant and that our immigration laws were purely about going after people who washed dishes, worked on farms, and did other menial labor. In point of fact, Our borders and our immigration laws are an integral part of virtually every challenge and threat that America and Americans face. Uh, I I want you to think of it from a unique perspective. The five branches of the U.S. Armed Forces all have a common mission. Their common mission is to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. During the Second World War, the Nazis sent saboteurs. Uh, Today, I guess we would use the term spies or terrorists to the United States. Uh, on U-boats, and they had to get past our U.S. Navy in order to achieve this, and they dropped off some of these saboteurs uh, on Long Island and in Miami, in Florida, at least. I don't know if it was Miami, but along the Florida coast. Today, we're seeing terrorists enter the United States by landing in international airports or perhaps running borders or perhaps through the seaports. But if you look at the 9-11 Commission report, first and foremost, the method of entry of choice was to come through an international airport. So we need to understand that border security is the equivalent of national security, because while the military would do everything possible to prevent enemy aircraft from invading our airspace and enemy naval vessels from getting too close to our shores, when you have enemy combatants, which is what terrorists are, this is an era of non um, asymmetrical warfare, non-conventional warfare, the, the, the forces that we face are actually um, terrorists. They don't wear uniforms. They don't come in tanks. They don't fly bombers. But on 9-11, we saw how 19 terrorists turned four commercial airliners into cruise missiles, uh, a, a de facto element of the terrorists' air force, perhaps, if you want to look at it that way. So the concern that we have is to keep enemy combatants out of America. Up close and in person, that mission falls to only one agency, DHS, the Department of Homeland Security. Under Bush and Obama, I came to call it the Department of Homeland Surrender. President Bush um, created DHS, and it was done in such a way where it was almost impossible to enforce the immigration laws or secure our borders. And as bad as I thought it was under Bush, I should have acknowledged my dad's admonishment that nothing is so good it couldn't be made better or so bad it couldn't get worse. Well, it got worse with Mr. Obama. Got much worse. 
And in fact, one of the things that President Obama did was to create DACA, which in my judgment and the judgment of many was an illegal circumvention of the legislative process and the Constitution. DACA, and I want to talk about DACA this evening because it's something that President Trump included in the State of the Union address, was an end run around the legislative process um, to achieve a political goal that the globalists in government from both sides of the aisle were unable to achieve through legislation. And that's what I've been writing about. And, And so let me give you a couple of places I want all of you to check out. Please go to frontpagemag.com, Front Page Magazine. And by the way, if you like the articles that I write, please become part of what I call my Bucket Brigade of Truth. I want you to post these articles on Facebook. I want you to email the links to your friends. I want you to tell them to do the same thing, because the mainstream media is not covering this information. After 9-11, I was averaging 15, maybe 20 television interviews per month, MSNBC, Fox News, ABC, CNN. Today, it is rare that a former immigration law enforcement officer gets airtime in the mainstream media. Now, what has happened? They still have uh, soldiers, Navy SEALs, commandos, generals, admirals come on to talk about military issues. They bring in scientists and doctors and oncologists and biochemists to talk about cancer. They have former astronauts come on to talk about the space program. When someone is murdered, they may bring in homicide detectives who've retired, or if there's a kidnapping, FBI profilers. But where immigration is concerned, you almost never see an immigration agent. Isn't that remarkable? You may not have paid attention to it, so please pay attention. There's a reason that they don't want former immigration agents to come on the air, because if we do, we will provide a very different perspective on immigration than you're going to hear from the people that do come on the air. And one of the things you may not know about is something known as the pre-interview. For those of you who've never been invited on a TV show, depending on the program, you will get the producer call you up or a booker, and they say, Mr. Cutler, we're going to be having a conversation today about fill in the blank. And if you came on the program, what do you think you would want to say? And I can guarantee you that if they don't like what they're hearing that you plan to talk about, doesn't matter if you're a recognized expert. If it doesn't coincide with the narrative being pushed by that network, by that program, you don't get on the program. And they all use the same phrase. Wow, that's really interesting, Mr. Cutler, but I think we're going in a different direction today. Absolutely astonishing. I can tell you I was on a program a while back. I'll leave the name of it out. The program isn't even on anymore, and the woman who hosted the program is no longer even with that network. But I was invited to come on a show, and I'd been with this woman on several other broadcasts to talk about immigration, and everybody was very happy with what I had to say. But during the Obama administration, as we all know, Mr. Obama had a magic phone and a magic pen, and so he would keep on issuing executive orders that undermined border security and immigration law enforcement. Okay. No secret. We all know that was happening. And I got this call from this producer and she said to me, would you like to come in and talk about it? I said, absolutely. Be delighted. Great. What do you think you'd want to say? I said, well, you know what, what he's doing is undermining the rule of law and the constitution. And the producer said, yes, that's excellent. I said, he's undermining public safety and under, and, um, 
evading or, or ignoring the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission. She said, wait one moment, where are you getting that from? Well, I read the appropriate section of the 9-11 report, or perhaps the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel, also an official document. Uh, that latter report, by the way, was prepared by the attorneys and federal agents assigned to work with the 9-11 Commission. It was published by the government printing office, certainly an official document. And I read the appropriate section. And she said, wow, that's really interesting, but I don't think we're there yet. Well, where's there? She wouldn't answer me. She said, let me get back to you. Well, I called back later on because I hadn't heard from them. And she said, oh, we figured that if we didn't call you back, you would figure that we weren't going to have you on. I said, great. So the person who did come on focused on undermining rule of law and the Constitution, ignored public safety, national security. I was astonished. And it angered me because immigration is about national security. If you read the 9-11 Commission report, and those of you familiar with my work, you know that I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission, that I've been before numerous congressional hearings in the House and Senate, primarily to discuss the nexus between immigration failures and public safety, criminal activity, and the threat of terrorism. And so uh, it was frustrating. And several months later, we had the attack at San Bernardino, California, a woman with a K-1 visa, we all know the dread, dreadful story, killed a bunch of her former co-workers who had thrown a party for her when she gave birth. I mean, talk about knifing your friends in the back. They shot their friends in the back. And the bloody scene was unbearable. And I was in a state of rage. And so I called up that booker, and I did not want to talk to her. I just wanted to leave her a message. I had absolutely less than zero desire to have a conversation with her. And so the message I left her was, this is Mike Cutler. I'm sure you remember me. A while back, when I tried to link immigration with national security and public safety, you told me we're not there yet. So here's a question that you need to consider and answer, not for me, but for you. When you look at the bloody carnage, when you look at the grieving family members, when you see the wounded, when you see the, the blood-spattered hallways, the question that you need to ask yourself is, are we there yet? And I hung up the phone. Immigration is an integral part of the war on terror. And yet you would never know it because the globalists from both parties are doing everything in their power to make Americans forget about the role of immigration in 9-11, San Bernardino, the Boston Marathon, uh, the bombing of uh, the um, Times Square, Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber. And DACA plays into this. And that's why I've written articles for Front Page Magazine. This is what I wrote about for the social contract. It's what I discussed when I was on Newsmax with an old friend, Bill Tucker, who used to be one of Lou Dobbs' correspondents back in the days when Lou was at CNN and I was kind of a fixture on that show. I tended to appear on Lou Dobbs tonight uh, once a week or so, and even when I wasn't on the program frequently, Lou's producers and reporters would reach out to me um, for advice, suggestions, and so forth. And, and so uh, Bill Tucker interviewed me for Newsmax, and I also wrote a commentary for Newsmax. Uh, and in fact, the title of my commentary for Newsmax this past week is pretty self-evident. Trump's shaky, quote, immigration pillars, unquote, will compromise national security. And that's what I wrote about. I wrote about the same thing 
for frontpagemag.com that was just published this morning, Friday morning. And, and so it's really important to please read my articles. Please read them in their entirety. You know, people today only want to read headlines. If it's more than 12 words, it seems like we uh, have the attention span of goldfish. But if you look at what was proposed by the president, I have to tell you, it disturbed me. Now, I respect President Trump. I loved his speech, except when he turned to the topic of immigration. The idea that we put America first is wonderful. This is the first time we've had a president in decades putting America and Americans first. I just want to make sure that his actions match the words. The actions match the words. And I have misgivings about the way that he wants to deal with DACA. And therein lies the problem. And that was what motivated me to write the articles that I wrote for those publications that I've mentioned. And it's something that I really want you to understand. Because, uh, you know, and by the way, as Americans, as Americans, we should never blindly follow any leader, period. I even always question my own belief system and the way that I come to understand issues because we can get it wrong, either by design or because we make mistakes. So uh, if any of you are wondering where I stand, I stand on the side of honesty, integrity, um, and truthfulness. You know, there's only one version of the truth. That's something I used to say to the bad guys before I would launch an interrogation. Sometimes with their attorney there, I would say to this guy that I was about to interview or perhaps go into an in-depth interrogation. Sometimes these interrogation sessions can go on for several days and so forth. But I would say to them at the outset, there's only one version of the truth, so don't waste my time. Let's get to the truth because there's only one version of it. And, and that's the case here also. And we need to be mythbusters and dispel this nonsense that anybody who would dare suggest that we protect our borders, scrutinize people who want to enter America, uh, we get labeled anti-immigrant. That is one of the biggest lies in the world. But there are so many lies being told where immigration is concerned. If you want to be careful about who you let in, you're being prudent. You know, when you buy a house, generally the front door has a sturdy lock, a doorbell or some other signaling mechanism, and a peephole. Now, Why? Because we make conscious decisions about whether or not to permit strangers to enter into our homes because we're concerned about our safety. When I worked as an immigration inspector at Kennedy Airport at the very beginning of my career with the old INS, um, I explained in my deposition in support of Arizona when they were sued by Obama's Justice Department, I described my four-year stint sitting in that immigration inspection booth at Kennedy Airport is the time when I had my eye to the peephole on America's front door. And our immigration laws have absolutely nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. Lots of lies being thrown around, lots of accusations. We had a nitwitted congresswoman, nitwitted piece of trash, I don't know how, what else to say, who equated ICE agents with the Gestapo, believe it or not. Words have impact. I'm an American. I'm a retired INS agent. I proudly carried that badge for 30 years. I'm Jewish, and I was named for my grandmother, who was killed by the Nazi SOBs in Poland. How in the world do you think it makes Mike Cutler feel to have a member of the United States Congress refer to men and women who put their lives on the line to go after people who pose a threat to our safety and national security as the Gestapo? And the impact that this has 
is that assaults on immigration agents are double what they were just a couple of years ago. This war on law enforcement by politicians, by these alleged demagogues, these masters of the universe who probably can't cross the street without an aide assisting them. Uh, when you stand up there and start spewing that kind of trash, you're endangering the lives of those agents. And at the very least, you're, at least you're undermining their ability to do their jobs effectively. And if you look at the 9-11 Commission report, they made it very clear. 9-11 and other terrorist attacks could only take place because of multiple failures of the immigration system. So how in the world a member of the United States Congress could make that kind of a claim, that kind of an insult, and it's worse than an insult, about men and women in law enforcement who are a thin line against those who would kill us and hurt us? Um, it enrages me beyond words, and I hope that this piece of trash is sent packing at the next election come November. I was proud to be an immigration agent. And I understand that sometimes when people come here and they're desperate, um, and, and you know you might feel bad about deporting an individual. But when you look at the numbers, and, and forget that 11 million figure, that's garbage. We, we probably have 30 or 40 million illegal aliens in the country. Uh, it's about displacing American workers. And please don't fall for the nonsense that they take the jobs Americans don't want. Tell that to the computer programmers who, uh, who've lost their jobs to aliens with H-1B visas. Tell that to construction workers, tradesmen who've lost their jobs to illegal aliens who, day la- do, who do day labor. My dad was a tradesman. He was a plumber. It was either a four- or five-year apprenticeship. They didn't just hand my father a wrench and said, have at it. But day laborers go out there very often doing work that should only be done by a tradesman. And God help the hapless homeowner who buys the house assembled by some guy who has no clue as to what he's doing. You know, we all suffer because of that level of greed. And the greed just keeps getting worse. And so when Donald Trump stood up and said, you know, we're going to make sure that Americans, American hands do the jobs in America, it was a breath of fresh air. And I, and I want to believe that he really means that. But I have got to tell you that when he talked about his four pillars for immigration reform. Um, If you're listening, Mr. President, you stopped me dead in my tracks, dead in my tracks. And here's the reason. Obama's program, as I started to say in the beginning, his DACA program was a fraud. When he said that Congress failed to act, if you remember that speech he gave June the 15th, 2012 in the Rose Garden, and two days later, Fox News published my op-ed, I said that what the president referred to as prosecutorial discretion should properly be called prosecutorial deception. The whole speech was deception. Congress failed to act, so I'm acting. How did Congress fail to act? What Congress failed to do was to approve comprehensive immigration reform. I wrote an op-ed for the Washington Times after I testified before three House hearings and one hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee. I compared those hearings with the countdown of the launch of the space shuttle Challenger. And I said the reason for the countdown when they launched the space shuttle is for the experts to weigh in as to whether or not they should go forward with the launch. The purpose for the hearings in Washington is for the experts to weigh in as to whether or not they should go forward with legislation. And I said, think what happened when they launched Challenger against the best advice of their experts on that cold uh, January morning in uh, 1986, 72, 73 seconds after liftoff. 
the, sh- the Challenger was ripped to shreds by an exploding fuel tank. It turned out that the O-rings uh, in the extreme cold of launch that morning weren't able to stop the hot gases from getting past the O-rings and acted kind of like a torch and, and, and cut into that big fuel tank that the shuttle was attached to, and it blew up. I said, but now it's not seven astronaut lives hanging in the balance, but 300 million plus American lives. And if we're going to be honest about comprehensive immigration reform, let's call it what it truly is. I gave it a new name. I called it the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. Senator Jeff Sessions, he was a senator from Alabama back then, liked it so much he quoted me from the floor of the Senate on three separate occasions, and then sent me a certificate wherein he said that it was his belief that his ability to use my words persuaded his colleagues in the Senate to vote down bad legislation. So voting down bad legislation is not a failure to act. The parent who says to his kid, no, you can't go play ball until you do your homework, isn't a failure to act. It's de- the parent is demonstrating good parenting skills, and a Congress that votes down bad legislation is demonstrating this principle of checks and balances is that is the hallmark of, of, of our form of government. This is not a dictatorship. And maybe it frustrates people. Maybe it frustrates the president that he doesn't get his way, but that's how democracy works. Someone once said that a democracy is the most inefficient form of government, but it's the best one yet devised. And before someone out there gets crazy and says, this isn't a democracy, it's a republic, go away. I don't care. The process is a democratic process. We can split hairs later on. Let's focus on what's really involved here, folks. The voice of the people, as articulated by the Congress, was to vote down terrible legislation, and I was relieved when they did. Mr. Obama wasn't, and that for him was a failure to act. Now, they weren't done. They tried again didn't work. Then they tried the DREAM Act. The DREAM Act had nothing to do with children. Let me repeat that. The DREAM Act had nothing to do with children. I'll repeat it another time. The DREAM Act had nothing to do with children. It was hypocrisy in action. By the way, if you dare use the word alien, boy, oh boy, they want to rip your heart out because you're a hater, you're a bigot, you're a xenophobe, you're awful, you're a nativist, you're a racist. Did I leave anything out? The A in Dreamer is alien, alien minor. How in the world does this despicable, disgusting, awful word somehow become acceptable that it's an integral part of the acronym DREAM Act? Because when it supports the bogus narrative, everything is in. Everything is wonderful. Just support the narrative, and sooner or later, people will forget about the fact that the word Dreamer is an acronym a word made up of the first initials of the words. And so the A in DREAM Act is alien as an alien minors. When you see hypocrisy, run for your life. There's hypocrisy here, folks. And the president said, this is about the children. And the Congress said, this is about the children. Well, if it was about the children, why was the age cut off 35? Now, they had a claim, and that's the big word, claim that they came by the time they were 16, But age 35 was the cutoff. Why was it 35? Because back then, some demographers determined that 90% of the illegal alien population in the United States is under the age of 35. So when you say 35 is the cutoff, you're basically creating an opportunity for 90% of illegal aliens in the United States to commit fraud and lie about when they came here 
so they can get lawful status. This is about flooding America with an unlimited supply of foreign workers so that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce can be happy along with the people that they're involved with. It's because of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce that we keep expanding the visa waiver countries, or we had been until President Trump came into office. They don't care about public safety. They don't care about national security. They care about inflating their bank accounts. And as long as individuals and organizations like the Chamber of Commerce, like Silicon Valley, like all these other characters, are more concerned with headcounts on airliners and headcounts at the baseball parks and headcounts in the factories than they are with body counts in the morgue, nothing is going to change. Well, actually, something did change. It's called the election of Donald Trump. So understand what happened. The DREAM Act was about giving as many illegals as possible lawful status. It was because comprehensive reform couldn't pass. They gave it a new name and decided that the American people have a soft spot in their hearts because we are that kind of a people. That if we link it to children, the Americans will fall for it. Well, unfortunately for them, the Americans did not fall for it. So Barack Obama stands in the garden, the Rose Garden at the White House, and says, this is about the children. This is about the kids. This is about the young people. Kept using those words. Well, if it was really about the children, why didn't Mr. Obama simply say, anybody under the age of 21 who's here illegally, who was brought here by his or her parents or somebody else where they had no control over it, come to an immigration office with your report card, with your school transcript, with your school ID, and we'll try to work something out with you. Because then we really would be dealing with children. You see, they made it age 31. Maybe he figured it sounded better than 35. I have no idea what the thought process was. But again, not about children. It was about children limited to kids. You know, this may sound kind of sick. I remember I arrested some guy one day from Jamaica. And believe it or not, we didn't only arrest illegal aliens from Mexico. We've arrested them from England and Canada, Australia, Japan, Israel, Pakistan, Yes, Mexico and Colombia, but Canada as well. This is about aliens, people who are not citizens. It's not about a particular ethnic group. If it was, I would never have enforced the laws. And I arrested this guy, and I guess he was afraid to tell me his date of birth because either it might have related back to a rap sheet, or maybe he was afraid that his memory was so lousy that he wouldn't be able to remember what day he said. So he swore he could not remember the date that he was born. I kid you not. Now, he didn't appear to have any mental disability. He didn't appear to be someone of low IQ. And he just sat there and said to me, I can't remember my date of birth. And I said, how in the world could you not possibly remember your date of birth? And his answer knocked me almost off my chair. Everybody in the office within earshot couldn't stop laughing. He said, it's easy to explain why I can't remember my date of birth. Are you ready, folks? He told me he couldn't remember his date of birth because he was born at a young age. I kid you not. Think of that. I can't remember my date of birth because I was born at a very young age. So why don't we simply use that principle and say anybody who was born at a young age gets a green card? This is a, this is a con game that was perpetrated on us with DACA. It wasn't about children. It was about using the compassion that Americans have for kids as a weapon against us. That is what DACA was. Make it linked to children, and the American people will go you know, dewy-eyed and, and fall over themselves because it's about the children.
You see the point? This is a scam. And the program was a scam. And it violated the law. And by the way, when when the president said prosecutorial discretion, prosecutorial discretion means that you have limited resources, let's say in law enforcement, and you understand that you can't stop everybody who speeds. So cops might let you get by if you're going five or six miles over the speed limit, as long as you're driving safely and the roads are clear and and so forth. And he says, well, I'm not going to bother that guy. He's not doing anything dangerous because if I stop that guy, I'll be tied up, and meanwhile, some guy going 90 miles an hour will get past me, and I won't be able to stop him. So because it's only me on this stretch of road, if that guy just goes a couple miles over the limit, I'm going to ignore him. That's valid prosecutorial discretion. So if the president had said, we're not going to have our agents waste their time arresting people without rap sheets, and that's, by the way, because there's such a thing as a sleeper, an agent who intentionally, I'm sorry, a, a terrorist who intentionally comes into the country, maintains a low profile because he or she doesn't want to be stopped because they're waiting for that phone call telling them tomorrow's the day to carry out the attack. Uh, that's a problem. But I certainly understand the idea of focusing on known criminals. And that's something that I've actually advised members of Congress. Make your collateral arrest if you're looking for a bad guy, just so that people know that even without a rap sheet, they might get arrested if they're here illegally. But focus the attention on the criminals. That is legitimate, and it's intelligent. It's smart. But don't forget the collateral arrest. The people you encounter who are here illegally, they need to be taken into custody only because people need to know that there's a deterrent. Violating the border in and of itself is a serious enough offense. But that wasn't what the president did. What Obama did was to say, okay, we're not only not going to arrest them, we're going to bring them in and give them lawful status. The idea of prosecutorial discretion just went away. The idea to prosecutorial discretion is to not waste limited resources on something that's not worth wasting resources on. Here we had a situation of using resources we did not have to circumvent the legal system, to circumvent the legislative process. It was illegitimate. President Trump made it clear how he felt about it when he was running for election, when he was trying to become the next president. So when he stood there and delivered that address, and by the way, it was a very inspiring State of the Union. I thoroughly enjoyed it, as I say, until he started talking about immigration. And, and then I, my, my, my joy turned to heartburn. But, but he came out with these four pillars, and it kind of rattled me. Let me read the four pillars to you if you haven't seen it. And again, if you go to my article in Newsmax, uh, you'll find the actual four pillars. If you go to my article on Front Page Mag, uh, I've included a section from the 9-11 Commission staff report that lays out how this proposed program It runs 180 degrees in the opposite direction from the findings of the 9-11 Commission. And by the way, the whole point to the 9-11 Commission was to prevent future attacks. When an airplane crashes, the NTSB and the FAA comes out because they want to know why did the plane crash. And if you could figure out why the plane crashed, then maybe we can do things differently so it doesn't happen again. Maybe it's pilot error. Maybe the air traffic controllers did something wrong. Maybe there's a faulty part on the airplane. Maybe maintenance isn't being done properly. There's all kinds of possibilities, and that's why they do an investigation, and then they issue regulations 
and, and, and tell people, well, you got to do the maintenance differently or you have to fly the airplane differently or, or whatever it is addressing what happened. When Challenger blew up, I mentioned that earlier, they convened a commission to figure out why it blew up. The same thing when Columbia disintegrated, shuttle Columbia, uh, when they found that some foam came off the, the shuttle's fuel tank and punched a hole in the leading edge of the wing of the space shuttle so that hot gases ultimately entered through that opening and, and destroyed the shuttle. So that was the whole point to those commissions. What went wrong? Let's change how we do things so it doesn't happen again. My dad used to say to me, there's no mistakes in life, only lessons if we learn from what goes wrong. But to repeat the same mistakes repeatedly is unacceptable. Well, this is what we're doing now. But, but let me, without further ado, read what President Trump had to say during the inaugural address. The first pillar of our framework generously offers a path to citizenship for 1.8 million illegal immigrants who were brought here by their parents at a young age. That covers almost three times more people than the previous administration. Under our plan, those who meet education and work requirements and show good moral character will be able to become full citizens of the United States. So let's just take that first sentence, which gave me the, the greatest cause for pause. I don't know where he came up with 1.8 million. The Migration Policy Institute, and I wrote an earlier article about this for Front Page Magazine, uh, came up with a figure of 3.6 million, roughly double what the president came up with. Who's right? Who's wrong? I don't know. But I can tell you that I spoke to a couple of members of Congress on the Hill. I'm fortunate that I, there are a couple of members who will give me their cell phone numbers, and I, I call them on the same phone that their families call them on. I called one member up, and he was angry. And he said, you know, I just walked out of a closed-door session, Mike, and we were told by our leadership that this could be $3.6 million. So is it 1.8? Is it 3.6? Who knows? Who knows? Now, understand that if we do this, this illegal program created by Mr. Obama will become legitimized under Bush, under Bush, under Trump. Forgive me. It's been a long day. Why in the world would the president want to do that? If it was wrong to create DACA in the first place, why do you want a program that by President Trump's own admission would involve three times as many illegal aliens? That's a problem. Now, I know the president said that they have to demonstrate good moral character, but here's the problem. 1.8 million applicants, there won't be interviews and field investigations. You're going to run a name that they've given you. It may or may not be their real name. Remember, they're undocumented. Let's use that word now. They're undocumented. We don't know when they entered the country. They're going to claim they came in by the t before they were 16. But what if they came here three weeks ago when they're 30 years old and said, I came in? You know, when I was 14 years old, how do you prove it? School records? There's no biometric there. This is an invitation to identity theft. What if the guy says, well, I've been using eight different false aliases because I was on the run from immigration, so I didn't want anyone to know who I was, so I kept switching off names. I'm not sure what name my parents enrolled me in in school. I guarantee you that guy will be approved. It takes minutes to approve an application. It can take days to deny an application. If you provide a quota to these employees of citizenship and immigration services, and they have to, I mean, you have to be evaluated. 
And what they're probably going to do is what they've done all along. Remember, this is national security. The work you do is important. Oh, and by the way, you better move 12 applications a day. Well, guess what? If you want to meet the quota of 12 a day, maybe you can deny one application every month or two. How do I know? I was an adjudications officer for a year. See, the advantage I have, folks, is I did these jobs myself. I didn't read about it. I didn't have someone explain it to me. So I, you know, I was there. I was an inspector for four years. I was an adjudications officer for a year doing marriage interviews like you've seen on TV. And then I was a special agent for 26 years, and I rotated through all the squads within the investigations branch. I became the first INS agent assigned to DEA intelligence, and then I spent 10 years as a senior special agent with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. So I saw this up close and in person. I was there when the Reagan amnesty of 86 was enacted. I saw the disaster this created for us. It was lunacy. It was madness. It was bedlam. The phones were ringing off the hook. Aliens were calling in to complain that they had been fired when they were legalized. Why were they fired? Because they were legalized. And now the employer said, well, I can't screw with this guy. I'm going to fire him and just simply hire the next wave of illegal aliens. And to show you how screwed up our journalists are and what liars they are, I had a journalist from ABC News post an article on the Internet because I, I made that point when I was interviewed by Stuart Varney over at Fox News. I was in Washington. This was in 2013, um, delivering a speech, and there were many others there. Uh, Ted Cruz was there, Jeff Sessions, Steve King. I was honored to be on that stage. And afterwards, I was interviewed by satellite by Stuart Varney. And I said, you know, here's one of the problems. When you legalize illegal aliens and they go to their employer with their documents in hand saying, I'm now legal, so I'll keep working for you, but not off the books and not for $3 below minimum wage. And I'm certainly not coming in on the weekend unless you pay me overtime. Guess what the employer says? You're fired. Now, (laughs) they fire them because they know they can't get away with it anymore. And why do they fire them? Because they know they can hire more illegal aliens who don't have the confidence to stand up to the bully boss, and, and that's who they hire. This is about exploitation. Well, immediately ABC News published this report. It was, uh, I think it was ABC Fusion or one of the bilingual uh, outlets. I believe it was ABC. And I spoke to the reporter, and it was the most frustrating conversation I ever had. He said, Mr. Cutler, so in other words, you're opposed to legalizing the aliens because it will stop them from being exploited. I said, No. That's not what I'm saying. Of course, it's going to stop them from being exploited, but it will mean that the employers will just hire the next wave of illegal aliens that they can exploit. So the people that get legalized lose their jobs and go on unemployment or whatever. Their families are now struggling even more than before, and they've just created an incentive to bring in more illegal aliens so they can be exploited. And the reporter said, yes. But meanwhile, the alien who's now been legalized can't be exploited, and that's the problem for you, isn't it? Well, after three times of dancing the same dance, uh, I, I suggested that that reporter attempt an anatomical impossibility. Use your imagination. But that's how the news twists the story. I don't want anyone to ever be exploited. I've seen exploitation in ways that sicken me. Women telling me that they were here illegally and the only way they could keep the job is if they went into their boss's office on the lunch hour and did whatever it is he wanted them to do. You want to talk about sexual harassment? 
This is sex by coercion. I would call it rape, actually. They were desperate for the job. That's the kind of crap. I've gone into factories that had closed fire escapes. Think of the Triangle Shirtwaist factory fire. No air conditioning. Filthy fans blowing dust and garbage around. And it's 90 degrees outside the factory, and it's 120 degrees in the factory. But the wonderful boss is sitting in an air-conditioned office with three air conditioners going full tilt. So you could see your breath in his office. But when you walked out on the factory floor, you saw flying dust and 120-degree heat. So, no, it's not about not wanting to, to, uh, to stop exploitation. It's, it's simply about understanding the mechanics. If you prevent the legalized from keeping their jobs because there's a ready supply of illegal aliens, all that we've done is encourage a massive inflow of illegals. And by the way, since that wonderful Reagan amnesty, and I'm being sarcastic, we had the greatest influx of illegal aliens in the history of the United States. But the reporters like to twist the story. So now we have President Trump, and he's talking about 1.8 million without explaining where he got the number from. We're talking about 1.8, and you have the Migration Policy Institute saying 3.6. And what happens if it turns out to be 5 million? What happens if it turns out to be 6 million, 8 million, 9 million? We don't know. People that have not yet arrived in the United States would be eligible to apply. And without a face-to-face interview, without anyone able to do field investigations for millions of people, you just can't do it. This is Lucy at the Bonbon factory on steroids, if you remember I Love Lucy. Or if you remember the guy with the spinning plates. Boy, I'm really showing how old I am. He used to come on the Ed Sullivan Show, and he would spin those plates on, on these slender sticks that were flexible. And he had to keep running from one stick to the other to keep them spinning. So centrifugal force would keep the plates in the air. And if he didn't work fast enough, one of those plates would crash to the ground and break. Well, that's like the applications. You've got to move them so quickly. And what does that mean? Well, there's an inverse relationship between speed and accuracy. Now, if you remember, after 9-11, we were constantly told, in order to be successful, the terrorists only got to get it right once. We've got to be right 100% of the time. Every alien who gets a visa creates an opportunity for the terrorists to get it right that one time that they're looking for. Most of the aliens who've attacked us were admitted legally. Most of the aliens who attacked us were granted lawful status. The Tsarnaev brothers got political asylum. One of them got, they both got green cards. One became a citizen. Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, came on a student visa, got married, got a green card, became a U.S. citizen less than a year or about a year before the attack. You're supposed to do a good moral character investigation to make sure that the guy's a good guy. Not enough that he doesn't have convictions for crimes, but that he's conducting himself properly. In the old days, if an alien applied for citizenship and he was never convicted of a crime, but you had enough neighbors saying, you know, this guy is okay till he gets drunk. And boy, oh boy, Friday nights when he gets that paycheck, he stops at the bar, he hangs out with the hookers, he engages in illegal gambling. And when he comes in at three in the morning, reeking of booze, uh, and his wife dares to say anything, he beats her up, but she never goes to the police. He threw his son's dog out the window one day because he was drunk and angry at his son. Well, if you had enough people corroborating that kind of stuff, you wouldn't naturalize the guy because clearly he was not demonstrating good moral character. Under the Clinton administration, forget about it. 
they simply said, let's naturalize everyone, even at times when fingerprints didn't come back in time. Go look up Citizenship USA, CUSA, C-U-S-A. Look at the Clinton administration. Look at the investigation conducted by the General Accountability Office and the Office of Inspector General Internal Affairs. 1.1 million aliens rushed through the system quicker than you know what goes through a goose. They came with all sorts of visas and and so forth, and then they become citizens, and and no one has a clue as to who half these people were, and we naturalized them. Chuck Schumer was the advocate for agricultural amnesty and the the 86 Reagan amnesty, the Immigration Reform and Control Act. Well, guess what? Mahmoud Abu Alima, the ringleader of the 93 deadly bombing at the Trade Center that killed six, injured more than 1,000 people, and damn near brought the tower down sideways, got agricultural amnesty, claiming he worked on a farm in Florida picking beans when in reality he drove a cab in New York. And Chuck Schumer's out there screaming about this. I I mean, we're getting hammered, folks, from both sides. So Donald Trump says, we're going to legalize all these people and we're going to give them a path to citizenship. So now the big fight is over whether or not to give them citizenship. Well, Citizenship, of course, amps up the ability of these folks to operate because they now have two passports. They keep their old passport. But I will tell you that many terrorists who've attacked us didn't bother, did not bother with getting citizenship because the 9-11 Commission report made it clear that simply giving someone an application while it's being adjudicated, the terrorists were free to move around the country, go to school get money, make contacts, acquire materials, and carry out a terrorist attack. Not my words. It's right in the 9-11 Commission staff report. It's right in the 9-11 Commission report as well. There was nothing in the president's speech, by the way, about going after employers of illegal aliens, nothing in the speech about going after sanctuary cities. My goodness, there could have been a sentence about that. So I think I've explained why I'm worried about the legalization program. What I don't understand is why the president simply didn't say, look, if you were processed for DACA, this shouldn't have happened, but we understand that you folks are putting down roots. Maybe you've got a job. Maybe people are depending on you. We're going to try to be fair about this. If you got your application, if you were approved, we'll take care of you. Why in the world is President Trump willing to triple the number of aliens? And we don't even know where that number of 1.8 came from. It's problematic. Now, he may well have a, a great answer, and I'm waiting for the answer. But I'm not sure. And nobody should be sure. We have to make our leaders accountable. The problem we have today with our politicians is nobody makes them accountable. We are lousy employers. They're our employees. Make them accountable. You see? Now, the second pillar fully secures the border. That means building a wall on the southern border, and it means hiring more heroes like CJ. CJ was an ICE agent. Well, I'm in favor of that because we need many more ICE agents to keep our community safe. Crucially, our plan closes the terrible loopholes exploited by criminals and terrorists to enter the country, and it finally ends the dangerous practice of catch and release. Well, we had catch and release not only on the border, but within the interior of the United States, I hope he means more jail space. I hope he means more agents. Hope is not a strategy, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt. But I have a problem with the statement that the second pillar fully secures the border. How many border states do we have, folks? This nonsense that we have four border states, you know, California, New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, bogus. We are a nation of 50 border states. 
We have a Canadian border as well as the Mexican border. We have 95,000 miles of coastline. And we have international airports in all of the states. Those are all border states. New York State, it's the trifecta. We share our border with Canada. We share our, uh, we, we, we don't share, but we have access to seaports and coastline. And we have international airports. Is New York going to be made secure by the wall on the border? Not hardly. Do we need to build a wall? Yes, I'm a big, fa- I'm a big proponent of the wall. But I come to compare a wall on the border with a wing on an airplane. Without a wing, the airplane doesn't fly, but a wing by itself goes nowhere. So I want him to fully secure the Mexican border, but he didn't say the Mexican border. He said the, full, the second pillar fully secures the border. How about the borders? No word about that. Why do we still have a visa waiver program? Now, I understand that the president wasn't about to talk about everything, but please understand that as far as I'm concerned, this is kabuki theater. This is kabuki theater. If you're really certain and and determined to secure the borders, please don't tell me a wall on the border is going to prevent aliens from coming in through Canada or stowing away on ships or entering at airports and violating the terms of their admission. And we know that the process by which aliens are granted lawful status has many flaws in it. And yet the president is willing to use this dysfunctional agency of citizenship and immigration services and have them process millions more applications for DACA people. And they're already doing 6 million applications or more per year over there. They're up to their eyeballs and paper. This isn't going to work out. Then he said the third pillar ends the visa lottery, a program that randomly hands out green cards without any regard for skill, merit, or the safety of our people. It is time to begin moving toward a merit-based immigration system, one that admits people who are skilled, who want to work, and who will contribute to our society, and who will love and respect our country. I agree. But we've got to make certain that by bringing in foreign workers that he described, that we are careful to do investigations to make certain that none of these willing foreign workers displace American workers. Again, how will that be accomplished? How many of those applications will you be able to scrutinize to make certain that some employer isn't simply gaming the process so he can get rid of Americans and hire people from other countries whose only claim to being exceptional workers is that they're willing to work for exceptionally low wages under exceptionally adverse conditions. And this isn't just about illegal aliens, folks. You're seeing it in the computer industry, bringing in workers from India who work for much, much less than their American counterpart. If that's what the president has in mind, We're back to square one, and we're undermining American high-tech workers, and that's what Alan Greenspan called for. Greenspan referred to high-tech American workers when he testified for Chuck Schumer on April 30, 2009, referred to high-tech American workers, the high-skilled American workers, as the privileged elite, I kid you not, earning a wage premium because they were being shielded from foreign competition. And Greenspan went on to say that if we could only get rid of that shield for the American workers, we could greatly reduce wage inequality and thereby eliminate the, or, or greatly reduce the difference in wages between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills, the engineered destruction of the middle class. So, again, uh, I want to know what Mr. Trump's uh, plan is. Now, again, this is a State of the Union. It's not law. I haven't seen the details, and the devil is truly in the details. But these are the questions that I raise. Is he trying to do the right thing? I I want to believe he truly is. I think he is. 
But you know what Reagan said, trust but verify, you know? And then finally, he says, the fourth and final pillar protects the nuclear family by ending chain migration. Well, I agree with that. Under the current broken system, a single immigrant can bring in virtually unlimited numbers of distant relatives. Under our plan, we focus on the immediate family by limiting sponsorship to spouses and minor children. This vital reform is necessary, not just for our economy, but for our security and our future. Now, further on in the speech, he talked about how people that came in under chain migration committed terrorist attacks, and he noted the two recent attacks in New York City. One was fatal, where eight people were killed by a guy in a truck who went down the bike lane, and the other where a bomb was detonated uh, near 42nd Street in the subway system, where fortunately nobody died. But the point was, um, that's not the only kind of visas that the terrorists use, as I said earlier. You have the K-1 visa in San Bernardino. You have the Tsarnaevs with, with tourist visas and student visas. You have Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, on a student visa. So why are we simply saying that the only visas that we have to work to worry about are visas issued to people under chain migration? That's not accurate. The 9-11 Commission drew no such limit. They simply referred to the visa process altogether. Another word that the president used that I found disturbing was loophole. We have to end the loopholes that enable exploited by criminals and terrorists to enter the country. What loopholes? There are no loopholes in the law. Fraud, fraud was the issue. People lying on their applications and getting away with the lies, lying about their identities, lying about their backgrounds, lying about their affiliations with criminal or terrorist organizations. That's not a loophole. That is absolutely positively not a loophole. That is fraud. And immigration fraud, I will go back to it again, was identified by the 9-11 Commission as the key in entry and embedding tactic of the terrorists. And ironically, I was first called upon to participate in a congressional hearing on May 20th, 1997, on the issue of visa fraud, that immigration benefit fraud, because of two terror attacks carried out in the United States in 1993. A Pakistani by the name of Kansi shot up the CIA January 93, killed two CIA officers, wounded three others, and fled the country. Typical tactic of the bad guys from other countries. They have an escape hatch through which they can escape. It's called get out of Dodge. In the case of Kansi, given the crimes he committed, he was brought back here, put on trial, found guilty, and executed. It did not, however, bring the dead back to life. And then you had the first bombing at the Trade Center. So again, uh, by the way, Kansi had applied for political asylum. The Trade Center in- involved a bunch of aliens. Uh, I mentioned Mahmoud Abu Alima. We had another guy who applied for political asylum. Every kind of benefit, they used it. Not just chain migration. So the fact that the president kind of said, well, we've got to watch out for chain migration because of terrorists. Uh, Mr. President, all due respect, I really want to believe you've got our back. But I have to tell you, too many terrorists have entered the country not because of chain migration, but they've come on student visas. They've come on tourist visas. They've claimed political asylum when they really did not have an honest, credible fear. When you limit the scope of your concern about visas to a narrow focus, when you need a broader focus, I'm disturbed. When you talk about the need for vetting refugees, and I agree with you a thousand percent, Mr. President, if you're listening, aliens who run the border undergo no vetting whatsoever. Not only don't they undergo any vetting, we don't even know that they're here. 
If you're that concerned about the identities and backgrounds of aliens entering America, why would you create a massive amnesty program that would provide lawful status to aliens who entered America in stealth mode, entered America surreptitiously, entered America without inspection? And by the way, that was the official language we used as agents. If I made an arrest and my boss would swing through the office, and if I was sitting at my desk and my boss would say to me, Mike, who did you arrest? And I say to him, oh, I, I, I've got uh, an Iwi from Guatemala. E-W-I, Iwi stood for entry without inspection. So my boss would know that this guy was an illegal alien who ran the border, evaded detection by the Border Patrol. You see? Not undocumented. What's undocumented is the fact that they don't have paperwork to prove who the hell they are. Well, if you can't prove who you are, how in the world do we give you lawful status when you're so concerned about vetting refugees from troubled countries? Now, I agree with that process of vetting. But why are we willing to ignore it where millions of illegal aliens are concerned who snuck into the country can be as old as their mid-30s now? And let's please remember that most terrorists tend to be under the age of 30. This is the prime time demographic group of people who may well include terrorists. And DACA will not only involve people from Mexico or Latin America. And by the way, to add to your inability to sleep this weekend, folks, the tri-border region of Brazil, where it abuts with Paraguay and Argentina, is home to training camps by Hamas, Hezbollah, maybe Al-Qaeda and ISIS. We know that there are Iranian shock troops flying into Caracas, Venezuela, and Venezuela is providing these folks with bogus passports, real passports inappropriately issued to them, so Muhammad can be transformed into Miguel quite easily. And if those aliens live in Latin America for a few years, they pick up the language and so forth, it may be impossible to determine whether that person is really from Venezuela or might be from Iran. This is a dangerous program. I want to believe that somehow this is a bargaining deal. You know, the president was the master, the art of the deal. But I'm trying to figure out what the deal is. I want to believe that the president continues on with his determination to secure America's borders with an S, enforce our laws, put American workers and American lives first. I believe he's still trying to do that. I hope I'm right. But we as Americans need to question everybody. We as Americans need to reach out to our elected representatives and make certain that they understand what our concerns are. And when I can watch members of the Democratic delegation upset when the president pointed to the fact that we now have the lowest unemployment rates in America's black and Latino communities, I wonder what their agenda is, and I wonder why Americans aren't paying attention to their reaction. And you know, I'm a registered Democrat. I'm not being partisan. I never am, folks, but I am being American. I thank you so much for joining me this evening. It's always a pleasure to get together with you at the end of the week so we can play that game of catch-up. Please go to my website, michaelcutler.net. Please go to frontpagemag.com, the social contract, Newsmax. Uh, Get involved. Please share my materials with as many friends as you can by Facebook, by email, by any means possible. Please be part of my bucket brigade of truth. And please, folks, let's remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. I look forward to being with you again next week. 
right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Meanwhile, I wish you all a wonderful weekend. So long, everybody.